0: Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. Sorry about the week delay, but I've got a special guest with me, Dr. Paul Redman. He was a former UMMC med school grad and is now doing pediatric ER in Texas. How's everything been, Paul?
1: Hey, Tim. Yeah, I'm doing well. We've been uh, pretty busy here in Texas in our emergency room, and it's almost like winter came early, got all kinds of respiratory viruses and stuff going around, so staying busy. But I've been keeping up with the podcast, really like what you've been doing with it, man. I think it's really needed in this space and really beneficial to a lot of your listeners.
0: I appreciate that, Paul, and I'm glad you're here because what we've been getting into in the past few weeks has been truly amazing. I'm not usually a person that's lost for words, but I have to say that the more I get into this matter of the body of Christ, I start to realize how little I actually know about it. What I mean by that is when most people hear this matter of the body of Christ, they instantly think of works, like what would Jesus do? I believe there is even a song out there that goes something along the lines of, if we are the body, then why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't we doing all the good works that Jesus did on the earth? But if you read the Bible carefully, this matter of the body of Christ is so much deeper than just copying Jesus' earthly works of feeding the poor or healing the sick. But rather, as shown in our past podcast, it has everything to do with being someone who has the life of God and someone who is under Christ the head. It has everything to do with being conscious that you are not just an individual Christian. Rather, you are a member of the body of Christ nothing more and nothing less if we don't see this i would say that our christian life would be very much limited and i would even dare to say incomplete i would further venture to say that god expects us to live in this way that living as a member of the body of christ is the standard but even more than seeing it what about practicing it what would living in the body of christ even look like? And what does the Bible say about living as a member in the body of Christ? That's what we want to dig into today. Paul, before we start, anything you want to say concerning the body of Christ?
1: Well, Tim, I think that this is a really awesome topic that you've been getting into with Christian over the last couple of weeks. The body of Christ is something that is easy to think we understand and even maybe trivialize. In our experience or in our Bible reading. But honestly, as as I think your listeners have been hearing over the past couple weeks, the body of Christ is actually pretty deep and pretty important in the Christian faith. It's interesting, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul takes us through essentially all of God's work to save us and he starts with the father's selection and choosing and then he takes us through the son's redemption and then this matter of the spirit's marking us out and becoming our inheritance and then the whole chapter the way it concludes this this whole process that god has done to redeem us and to give us eternal life the chapter concludes with the body of christ sort of indicating that our experience as Christians should lead up to and lead into something related to the body. And if I could, just go back to that song that you mentioned, If We Are the Body. You know, I think that song asks a really good question, or several questions. You know, it asks, if we are the body, then why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? You know, and, and it's right that we are his body, and so... We are his hands, we are his arms, his, his feet. But it doesn't really go much further than that, at least in the song. You know, it just kind of asks the question. And has the implication, or at least it implies that the solution to that is that the arms start reaching, and that the hands start healing, and that the feet start going. It, it implies that it's almost up to the arms, and up to the hands, and up to the feet to do something. But I would like to propose if you consider like when a patient comes to you and let's say, you know, you're like me, you're in medicine and they have a a leg that's not working all of a sudden, maybe something else, some other organ that's not functioning. Well, you know, of course, the first question from the patient and from us is, okay, well, why is this leg not moving? And that's a, that's a good question. But then it would be preposterous for me to look at the patient and say, okay, well, you need to start moving it. Why isn't it moving? Why aren't you doing it? You need to start moving it. That'd be crazy. To, or, or even to look at the leg and say, hey, get to work. Do something. You're supposed to move. That's not the way we approach problems like this. You know, We, we ask the first question, why isn't it moving? And then we begin to consider things not from an effort perspective, not from a lack of trying on the part of the patient or even on the part of the extremity, but we begin to consider an organic cause. Why? Well, because we know that the body is not just a robot or a machine, you know, even an organization that responds to everything we tell it to do. The body is living it's interconnected and woven together with muscles and bones and vasculature and nerves and you know all kinds of interactions between cells and, and a seemingly never-ending cascade of events at the molecular level uh, just to get one single part of the body to function the way that it should it's living you know the body is living it's not just going to respond to someone saying do something and the leg or the arm is not going to take off strike out on its own to do something it's going to coordinate you know my hands going to coordinate with my wrist coordinate with my elbow respond to the shoulder all of which is responding through the brachial plexus to my you know spinal cord which is receiving signals from the head so when we come to the body of christ We need to have the realization that the emphasis is not first on the things that the body would do outwardly. It's not actually first about the actions of the hands and the legs uh, and the mouth. What is first and foremost that has to be appreciated by every single Christian is that the body is a matter of life. It's a matter of being connected to the head which the New Testament tells us is Christ, by means of coordinating and relationships and prayer and all kinds of interactions with the members of the body around you. That is the emphasis first on the body. It's a matter of life and and what kind of life, not the animal life, not the plant life, but a mysterious union of the human life and the life of God himself, eternal life. And when we take care of our relationship to the head and our relationship to all of the fellow members of the body around us, when we have a good relationship in those two directions, then what happens spontaneously? It's not a matter of effort, not a matter of thinking about it real hard, but what happens spontaneously is then Then the lyrics of that song become uh, our experience. Then the arms start reaching. Then the hands start healing. Then the words start teaching. Then the feet start going. It's after the life of the body is made healthy, made whole, that the members of the body can then carry out the function that is intended for them by God. All of this is to just you know make a point that the body of Christ is not a metaphor it is not used metaphorically in the new testament it is used in actuality it is used as a an actual thing that is on the earth today we know that the church which is comprised of all the believers in Christ is the body of christ that's basically what the end of ephesians says that the church is the body it doesn't say it's like the body it doesn't say it operates like a body it says it is the body of christ Um, in fact if you look at first corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 it really uses a very interesting phrase it says for just as the body is one ...and has many members, so it's, it's in this scenario talking about the human body... ...just as the body, the human body, is one and has many members... ...and all the members of the body, though many, are one body... ...so it is with Christ. That means our body is the metaphor. Our body is the shadow of the real thing. Our body, which is made of the dust of the earth, uh, limited time and space... It's a shadow of the body of Christ, the church, which is the body of Christ, comprised of all the believers throughout all of human history. It is something that we can actually experience and practice in our daily Christian life to have a meaningful relationship, a spiritual relationship, not only with God, but with the Christians which are around us in our daily life.
0: Whoa, Paul. Well, that concludes our podcast for the week. I'm just kidding. That was an extremely clear picture that you just presented. I want to hone in on that last thing you mentioned concerning our relationship with God and then our relationship with one another, because that will be the focus of our podcast today. We all know that we must have a close, intimate relationship with our God. No doubt about it. It takes time, it takes our will, it takes effort. And if you spend time with God, you get the supply for that day, right? You feel refreshed and enlivened. However, in my experience, I have to say it's actually harder to spend time with other people than we do with God. God's perfect. He's full of love, full of compassion, full of long-suffering. But the brother sitting next to me in church, he's not patient. He's short-tempered. He dresses funny. He votes different than me. He's a picky eater or whatever characteristic you want to put in there. We aren't the same. So how am I supposed to fellowship with him? What's my attitude toward him? And this is where we will be digging into today. We will be getting into Romans 14 because here Paul the Apostle gives us a practical example of a brother being not just an individual Christian, but a brother being a member of the body of Christ. To summarize, some believers say it's okay to eat meat. Some say it's not. Some believers celebrate a certain days more than others. Let me read these two verses here. This is Romans 14, verse 15 and 20. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. For by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And then verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Really powerful verses here, Paul. I mean, Paul, why can't we just agree to disagree? I'll go meet in my church that eats meat, and you go meet at yours that doesn't, and we're all good. What's the consequence of just meeting with those I'm similar to or comfortable with? I guess to simplify the question, do you mind developing this matter of our attitude toward other believers, specifically as shown here in Romans 14?
1: Yeah, sure, Tim. So what's at stake here is the oneness of the body. The human body, which is the metaphor here, not function properly if it's split up into pieces. If my leg is cut off, my arm is cut off, my torso is sawn into, and I you know have a dislocated shoulder, my body's not going to function very well. I think that's fairly obvious. Well, the principle applies to the real body, which is the body of Christ. And Paul is writing here in Romans chapter fourteen to address this issue. And what was dividing the believers were matters of doctrine, matters of opinion, things that were minor, secondary matters that had nothing to do with salvation or faith. They weren't heretical. They weren't sinful. They were just opinions and doctrines that they differed on. In particular, in Romans 14, it had to do with food and holidays And there were some believers who thought that it was okay to eat, I guess, meat, probably, I think. And some who thought that they shouldn't eat meat. And then there were some believers who thought that certain days of the year were more special than others. And there were believers who thought that all the days were the same. And as a result of these differences, they separated themselves from each other. They divided themselves, essentially cutting the body apart and Paul is pointing out here in these verses that such matters should not cause the body of Christ to be divided. Such matters should not separate us from one another. Paul's attitude in this chapter is it's very tolerant, it's very broad, not narrow when it comes to matters of salvation and faith. Yes, that's that's very specific. That should be narrow. But when it comes to matters of opinion or doctrinal differences, as long as it is not a matter relating to our salvation or relating to the truth uh, regarding our faith, that is not you know, a reason for us to refuse other believers. And so Paul is very emphatic here that we need to learn the lesson uh, of receiving one another in Christ. You know, the only qualification for receiving another believer is if that believer has been accepted by God. And if God has accepted them, then there is no reason that I should not accept them, that I should not receive them. And so this this really makes the body of Christ practical. It brings it, you know, down to where the rubber meets the road. It, it, there's another believer next to me in, in class or at work, and they... I don't know, maybe they like to pray in a certain way, loudly or with their hands in the air, uh, you know, something like that. And maybe I'm different. Maybe I like to pray in a different kind of way. Well, should then I never pray with this person? Should I refuse to have any kind of fellowship or relationship with this fellow Christian? If God has received them as a member of the body, then I have no choice. I need to learn the lesson to receive this fellow member, learn from this fellow member, and, you know, just like the body receives from the members next to it, I need to receive this member's portion of Christ and their enjoyment of Christ. And an excellent corollary to Romans chapter 14 is actually 1 Corinthians chapter 12, also written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul says in that chapter, actually in verse 18, he says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, even as he chose. And then later on, down in verse 25, it says, That, why did God compose the body in a certain way? Why is it according to his choice? It says, That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And of course, this phrase, no division in the body, is very important. You know, this principle of receiving one another, it doesn't just apply on the individual level, but it applies to us as a whole, all Christians. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I drive down certain streets and I see church building after church building after church building, name after name after name after name. All Christians, all fellow believers, but all separated and divided usually based on some opinion or some doctrine or some different practice that a group decided they'd all agree on and another group decided they disagreed on and so they split up and we need to realize that to practice the body of christ it means that we have to take the mind and viewpoint of the lord who is in our spirit living in us expressing his opinion and his view on things and allow him to to be the final decision-maker of what Christians he's placed in the body around us.
0: Yeah, that deserves a big, strong amen. You're absolutely right about that, Paul. I would say that in all of Paul's epistles, he addresses this multiple times. And even in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul asks this exact same question. Can Christ be divided? And this really is a problem that was instigated by Satan. When the Lord was praying in John 17, you could say that this was his final statement. If someone knows he's about to die, he's not wasting his breath on insignificant things. He's going to write down what he feels is the most important thing, right? Well, you can apply that same concept to the Lord. The Lord was about to be crucified, so you can infer that what he was going to pray about was what was most important on his heart. And of all the things he could pray about, One major thing he prays about is the believer's oneness. In fact, in John 17, 21, he says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The oneness he's talking about here isn't all Christians just agreeing to hang out. He's saying in John 17 that the oneness that the triune God has That's the oneness that the believers need to have. And that's a huge testimony. I would say one big reason the world mocks our Lord Jesus is not our lack of good works. I mean, Christians go to third world countries, to inner cities who do all this awesome charity work. No, one reason the world mocks and doesn't believe in our Lord is due to our lack of oneness. And the reason is because we are full of our opinions, our preferences, our culture, But I like what you said, Paul, in order to practice the body of Christ, to practically have this oneness, we need the mind and the viewpoint of our Lord, the Christ that is dwelling in our spirit. We need his mind. We need his viewpoint, his opinion. That's the only way that this oneness becomes practical. Well, since we're talking about meeting and fellowship, let's stay in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul brings up this matter of each member of the body functioning. You read from the book of Acts how the early churches met, and it's very different than what we do today. I'm not even just talking about things like, well, they met in homes and house to house, and we meet in big buildings, but maybe the word is the atmosphere was different. What does this have to do with the body of Christ? Let me just read the verse here in 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a psalm or a teaching or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done to build up the church. Any fellowship you have for us concerning the practical way to meet as members of the body of Christ? Yeah, that's a
1: good point, Tim. Um, I think the way that we meet And gather together as Christians in this day and age Is very different from what is portrayed in the book of Acts And in the New Testament If we consider that we are the body of Christ And that every member has a function Every member has a purpose Every member has to be living and active and mobile And doing its uh, specific task Then it requires every member to express what is in the head, Christ. It requires every member of the body of Christ to fully glorify God and express Christ. So then it stands to reason that, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, when we come together, everybody has something. It's not just that we come together and sit quietly and let one person do all the activity. I guess technically we let that one person, Christ, do all the activity. But Christ wants to be displayed and expressed through all of his believers, not just a certain class or a certain group. He wants every believer to express him. And so Paul is pointing out there in 1 Corinthians that when we get together, everybody has something. It's like coming together for a potluck dinner. You you may have someone who brings a steak, which is a huge portion, but you may have somebody who just brings some seasoning. And without even that little bit of seasoning... The meal isn't complete. And I think when we come together as Christians, we have to realize this really should be our atmosphere. This is the atmosphere that's portrayed in the New Testament. That when we get together, every member of the body has a specific function and a specific portion of Christ to express and display. No one member can fully express Christ, no one member can glorify all of God. And so it requires every member, every functioning member, to do this. What does this look like? Well, it's right there in the verse that you read, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14. Everyone has a song or a psalm. Everyone has a teaching, has some revelation that God's given them. Everyone may have a tongue or an interpretation. So every every person can open their mouth whenever a, a group of Christians is gathered together. Everyone should be able to open their mouth. And be willing to open their mouth and uh, share their teaching, their revelation, or something that God has been doing in their life recently uh, with the other Christians around them. This, this not only benefits the person speaking by expressing God and glorifying God, but it also, according to that same chapter, Tim, or actually according, according to that same verse, uh, verse 26, this builds up the
0: whole body of Christ. We'll leave it there. Thank you for your time and fellowship, Paul. You can see in Paul's epistles in Ephesians, Romans, 1 Corinthians, that the last few chapters all address this matter of the body of Christ. It's like all the groundwork concerning our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, letting Christ live in us, work in us, teach us, train us, etc. is all for us to learn how to live as members of the body of Christ. It's like the body of Christ is the apex of our Christian life. Well, this will actually conclude our podcast series for the book of Romans. Next week, we will have a summary podcast, and after that, it's on to the next book. I hope you all have enjoyed it. I hope it has helped your walk with God and your fellowship with one another. Hope you all have a great week, and to our medical students, I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Christ in you.